Hello listeners, I'm back again with the reading. It's uh, going to be the last chapter from this book. So the last chapter is called The Man with Two Faces. And uh, I'm very excited to read it. It's uh, It's been a long journey. Uh, you, you all were all with me and uh, I'm very grateful you tuned in and uh, have had the time to listen. I'm uh, also very passionate about this and uh, I would like to do uh, some uh, same similar projects in the near future. Alright, without further ado, uh, let's begin our last chapter. The man with two faces. It was cruel. You! gasped Harry. Krill smiled. His face wasn't twitching at all. Me, he said calmly. I wondered whether I'd be meeting you here, Potter. But I thought, Snape? Severus? Krill laughed and it wasn't his usual queering, treble either, but cold and sharp. Yes, Severus does seem the type, doesn't he? So useful to have him swooping around, like an overgrown bat. Next to him, who would suspect a poor, poor, Professor Quirrell. Harry couldn't take it in. This couldn't be true. It couldn't. But Snape tried to kill me. No, no, no. I tried to kill you. Your friend, Miss Granger, accidentally knocked me over as she rushed to the fire. To, to Snape at the Quidditch match. She broke my eye contact with you. Another few seconds and I'd got you off that broom. I'd have managed it before then it's Snape then if Snape hadn't been muttering a countercourse trying to save you. Snape was trying to save me? Of course, said Quirrell coolly. Why do you think he wanted to referee your next match? He was trying to make sure I didn't do it again. Funny really. He didn't have to bother. I couldn't do anything with Dumbledore watching. All the other teachers thought Snape was trying to stop Gryffindor winning. He did make himself unpopular. And what a waste of time when after all that I'm going to kill you tonight. Krill snapped his fingers. Ropes sprang out of the thin air and wrapped themselves tightly around Harry. You're too noisy to live, Potter. Screwing around at the school at Halloween like that for all I knew it You'd see me coming to look at what was guarding the stone. You let the troll in? Certainly. I have a special gift with trolls. You must have seen that I did do the one in the chamber back there. Unfortunately, while everyone else was running around looking for it, Snape, who already suspected me, went straight to the third floor to help me off. And not only did my troll fail to beat you to death, that three-headed dog didn't even manage to bite Snape's leg off properly. Now wait quietly Potter, I need to examine this interesting mirror. It was the only it was only then that Harry realized what was standing behind Krill. It was the mirror of Arrest. The mirror is the key to finding the stone, Krill murmured, tapping his way around the frame. Trust Dumbledore to come up with the, with something like this. But he's in London. I'll be far away by the time he gets back. All Harry could think of doing was to keep Quirrell 
talking and stopped him con concentrating on the mirror. I saw you and Snape in the forest, he blurted out. Yes, said Krill idly, walking around the mirror to look at the back. He was on to me by the time, trying to find out how far I got. He suspected me all along, tried to frighten me, as he thought he could, when I had Lord Voldemort on my side. Krill came back out of the behind the mirror and stared hungrily into it. I see the stone, I'm presenting it to my master. But where is it? Harry struggled against the ropes binding him, but they didn't give. It had to keep Quirrell from giving his whole attention to the mirror. But Snape always seemed to hate me so much. Oh, he does, said Quirrell casually. Heavens, yes! He was at Hogwarts with your father, didn't you know? They laughed each other, but he never wanted you dead. But I heard you a few days ago sobbing. I thought Snape was threatening you. For the first time, a sparse of fear flitted across Krill's face. Sometimes, he said, I find it hard to follow my master's instructions. He is a great wizard and I am weak. You mean, he was there in the classroom with you? Harry gasped. He is with me wherever I go, said Krill quietly. I met him when I traveled around the world. A foolish young man I was then, full of ridiculous ideas about good and evil. Lord Voldemort showed me how wrong I was. There is no good and evil, there is only power and those too weak to seek it. Since then I have served him faithfully, although I have let him down many times. He has had to be very hard on me. Krill shivered suddenly. He does not forgive mistakes easily. When I failed to steal the stone from Gringotts, he was most displeased. He punished me, decided he would have to keep a closer watch on me. Quirrell's voice tailed away. Harry was remembering his trip to Diagon Alley. He could have been so stupid. He'd seen Quirrell there that very day, shaking hands with him in the leaking, leaky cauldron. Quirrell cursed under his breath. I don't understand. Is the stone inside the mirror? Should I break it? Harry's mind was racing. What I want more than anything else in the world at the moment, he thought, is it to find the stone before Krill does. So if I look in the mirror, I should see myself finding it, which means I'll see where it's hidden. But how can I look without Krill realizing what I'm up to? He tried to edge to the left to get in front of the glass without Krill noticing, but the ropes around his ankles were too tight. He tripped and fell over. Quirrell ignored him. He was still talking to himself. What does this mirror do? How does it work? Help me, master. And to Harry's horror, a voice answered, and the voice seemed to come from Quirrell himself. Use the boy. Use the boy. Quirrell rounded on Harry. Yes, Potter, come here. He clapped his hands once, and the ropes binding Harry fell off. Harry got slowly to his feet. Come here. Quill repeated, look in the mirror and tell me what you see. Harry walked towards him. I must lie, he thought desperately. I must look and lie about what I see, that's all. Quill moved close behind him. Harry breathed in the funny smell that seemed to come from Quill's turban. He closed his eyes, stepped in front of the mirror and opened them again. He saw his reflection, pale and scared looking at first. But a moment later the reflection smiled at him. 
It put its hand into the pocket and pulled out a blood red stone. It winked and put the stone back in its pockets. And as it is, at, and as it did so, Harry felt something heavy, heavy drop into his real pocket. Somehow, incredibly, it got the stone. Well, said Quirrell impatiently, what do you see? Harry screwed up his courage. I see myself shaking hands with Dumbledore, he invented. I've, uh, I've won the house cup for Gryffindor. Quirrell cursed again. Get out of the way, he said. As Harry moved aside, he, fell, he felt this philosopher's stone against his leg. Dare he make a break for it. But he didn't walk five paces before a high voice spoke, though Quirrell wasn't moving his lips. He lies! He lies! Potter, come back here! Quirrell shouted. Tell me the truth. What did you just see? The high voice spoke again. Let me speak to him, face to face. Master, you are not strong enough. I have strength enough for this. Harry felt as if Devil's snare was rooting him to the spot. He couldn't move a muscle, petrified. He watched as Quirrell reached up and began to unwrap his turban. What was going on? The turban fell away. Quirrell's head looked strangely small without it. Then he turned slowly on the spot. Harry would have screamed, but he couldn't make a sound. Where there should have been a back to Quirrell's head, there was a face, the most terrible face Harry had ever seen. It was cock-white with glaring red eyes, slits for nostrils, like a snake. Harry Potter, it whispered. Harry tried to take a step backwards, but his legs wouldn't move. See what I have become, the face said. Mere shadow and vapor. I, f I form only when I can share another's body. There's all, there's, there have always been those willing to let me into their hearts and minds. Unicorn blood has strengthened me these past weeks. You just saw faithful cruel drinking it for me in the forest. And once I have the elixir of life, I will be able to create a body of my own. Now! Why don't you give me the stone in your pocket? So he knew. The feeling suddenly surged back into Harry's legs. He stumbled backwards. Don't be a fool, snailed the face. Better save your own life and join me, or you'll meet the same end as your parents. They died begging me for mercy. Liar! Harry shouted suddenly. Quill was walking backwards at him, so that Voldemort couldn't see him. The evil face was now smiling. How touching, he hissed. I always value bravery. Yes, boy, your parents were brave. I killed your father first and he put up a courageous fight. But your mother needn't have to die. She was trying to protect you. Now give me the stone unless you want her to have died in vain. Never! Harry sprang towards the flame door, but Voldemort screamed, Seize him! And next second, Harry felt Quirrell's hand close on his wrist. At once, a needle-sharp pain seared across Harry's scar. His head felt as though it was about to split in two. He yelled, struggling with all his might, and to his surprise, Quirrell let go of him. The pain in his head lessened. He 
he looked around wildly to see where Cruel had gone and saw him hunched in pain, looking at his fingers. They were blistering before his eyes. Seize him! Seize him! shrieked Voldemort again and Cruel lunged, knocking Harry clean off his feet, landing on top of him, both hands around Harry's neck. Harry's scar was almost blinding him with pain, yet he could see Cruel howling in agony. Master, I can not hold him. My hands! My hands! And Quirrell, though pinning Harry to the ground with his knees, let go of his neck and start bewildered at his own palms. Harry could see they looked burned, raw, red and shiny. Then kill him, fool, and be done! screeched Voldemort. Quirrell raised his wand to perform a deadly course, but Harry, by instinct, reached up and grabbed Quirrell's face. Arrgh! Quirrell rolled off him, his face blistering too, and then Harry knew. Quirrell couldn't touch his bare skin, not without suffering terrible pain. His only chance was to keep hold of Quirrell, keep him in enough pain to stop him doing a curse. Harry jumped to his feet, caught Quirrell by the arm and hung on as tight as he could. Quirrell screamed and tried to throw off Harry. The pain in Harry's head was building. He couldn't see. He could only hear Quirrell's terrible shrieks and Voldemort's yell of Kill him! Kill him! and other voices, maybe in Harry's own head, crying Harry! Harry! He felt Quirrell's arm wrenched from his grasp, knew all was lost and fell into blackness. Down, down, down. Something gold was glinting just above him. The snitch! He tried to catch it, but his arms were too heavy. He blinked. It wasn't a snitch at all, it was a pair of glasses. How strange! He blinked again. The smiling face of Albus Dumbledore swam into view above him. Good afternoon, Harry, said Dumbledore. Harry stared at him. Then he remembered. Sir, the stone! It was cruel! He's got the stone, sir, quick! Calm yourself, dear boy. You are a little behind times, said Dumbledore. Quirrell does not have the stone. Then who does, sir, I... Harry, please, relax, or Madame Pomfrey will have me thrown out. Harry swallowed and looked around him. He realized he must be in the hospital wing. He was lying in a bed with white li linen sheets, and next to him was a table piled high with a looked like half the sweet shop. Tokens from your friends and admirers, said Dumbledore, beaming. What happened down in the dungeons between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret. So, naturally, the whole school knows. I believe your friends, Mr. Fred and George Weasley, were responsible for trying to send you a lavatory seat. No doubt they thought it would amuse you. Madame Pomfrey, however, felt it might not be very hygienic and conf confiscated it. How long have I been here? three days. Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Granger will be most relieved you have come around. They have been extremely worried. But sir, the stone! I see you are not to be distracted. Very well, the stone. Professor Curiel did not manage to take it from you. I arrived in time to prevent that, although you were doing very well on your own, I must say. You got there? You got Hermione's owl? We must have crossed in mid-air. 
not sooner had I reached London than it became clear to me that the, the place I should be was the, was the one I had just left. I, I arrived just in time to pull cruel off you. It was you? I feared I might be too late. You nearly were. I couldn't have kept him off the stone much longer. Not the stone, boy. You. The effort involved nearly killed you. For now, terrible moment there. I was afraid it had. As for the stone, it has been destroyed. Destroyed? said Harry blankly. But your friend, Nicholas Flamel. Oh, you know about Nicholas? said Dumbledore, sounding quite delighted. You did do the thing properly, didn't you? Well, Nicholas and I have a little chat and, uh, and agreed it's all for the best. But that means he and his wife will die, won't they? They have enough elixir to store, to start, to set their affairs in order and then, yes, they will die. Dumbledore smiled at the look of the amazement on Harry's face. To one as young as you, I'm sure it seems incredible, but to Nicholas and Peronel, it is like going to bed after a very, very long day. After all, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. You know, the stone was really not such a wonderful thing. As much money and life as you would could want, the few things most human beings would choose above all. The trouble is, humans do have a knack of choosing precisely those things which are worse for them. Harry lay there, lost for words. Dumbledore hummed a little and smiled at the ceiling. Sir, said Harry, I've been thinking, sir, even if the stone's gone, Vol, uh, I mean, uh, you know who, call him Voldemort, Harry. Always use the proper name for things. Fear of a name increases fear of the thing itself. Yes, sir. Well, Voldemort's going to try a lot of ways of coming back, isn't he? I mean, uh, he hasn't gone, has he? No, Harry, he has not. He is still out there somewhere, perhaps looking for another body to share. Not being truly alive, he cannot be killed. He left Krivel to die. He shows just as little mercy to his followers as his enemies. Nevertheless, Harry, while you may only have delayed his return to power, it will merely take a someone else who is prepared to fight what it seems a losing battle next time. And if he is delayed again and again, why, he may never return to power. Harry nodded, but stopped quickly, because it made his head hurt. Then he said, Sir, there are some other things I'd like to know. If you, if you can tell me things I want to know the truth about. The truth, Dumbledore cited. It is a beautiful and a terrible thing, and should therefore be treated with great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have a very good reason not to. In which case I beg you'll forgive me. I shall not, of course, lie. Well, uh, Voldemort said that I that he only killed me. He only killed my mother because she tried to stop killing me. But why would he want to kill me in the first place? Dumbledore sighed very deeply this time. Alice, the first thing you ask me, I cannot tell you. Not today, not now, you will know one day, put it from your mind from now, Harry. When you're older, I know you hate to hear this, when you're ready, 
you will know. And Harry knew it would be no good to argue. But why couldn't her Cruel touch me? Your mother died to save you. If there's one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark. Not a scar, not a visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It is in your very skin. Quirrell, full of hatred, greed and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this reason. It was agony to touch a person marked by something so good. Dumbledore now became very interested in a bird out on the window sill which gave Harry time to dry his eyes on the sheet. When he had found his voice again, Harry said, And the invincibility cloak, do you know who sent it to me? Ah, your father happened to leave it in my possession, and I thought you might like it. Dumbledore's eye twinkled. Useful things. Your father used it mainly for sneaking off to the kitchen to steal food when he was there, when he was here. And there's something else. Fire away. Kirill said Snape, Professor Snape, Harry, yes, him, Kirill said he hates me because he hated my father, is that true? Well, they did rather detest each other, not unlike yourself and Mr. Malfoy, and then your father did something Snape could never forgive, what? He saved his life, what? Yes, said Dumbledore dreamily, funny the way people's minds work, isn't it? Professor Snape couldn't bear being in the in your father's step. I do believe he worked so hard to protect you this year because he felt that would make him and your father quits. Then he could go back to hating your father's memory in peace. Harry tried to understand this but it made his head pounce so he stopped. Yes sir, there's one more thing. Just the one? How did I get the stone out of the mirror? Ah, now, I'm glad you asked me that. It was one of my more brilliant ideas. And between you and me, that's saying something. You see, only one who wanted to find the stone, find it, but not use it, would be able to get it. Otherwise, they'd be just seeing themselves making gold or drinking elixir of life. My brain surpri surprises me even, my brain surprises me even me sometimes. Now, Enough questions. I suggest you make a start of these sweets. Ah, Bertie Bot's every flavor beans. I was unfortunate enough in my youth to come across a vomit flavored one, and since then I'm afraid. I've rather lost my liking for them, but I think I'll be safe with a nice toffee, don't you? He smiled and popped the golden brown bean into his mouth. Then he choked and said, Ah, Alice, earwax. Madame Pomfrey, the matron, was a nice woman, but very strict. Just five minutes, Harry pleaded. Absolutely not. You let Professor Dumbledore in. Well, of course, that was the headmaster. Quite different. You need rest. I'm resting. Look, lying down and everything. Oh, go on, Madame Pomfrey. Oh, very well, she said. But five minutes only. And she let Ron and Hermione in. Harry! Hermione looked ready to fling her arms around him again, but Harry was glad she held herself in as he had was still very sore. Oh, Harry, we were sure you were going to... Uh, Dumbledore was worried. 
the whole school's talking about it, said Ron. What really happened? It was one of those rare occasions when the true story is even more strange and exciting than the wild rumors. Harry told them everything, Quirrell, the mirror, the stone and Voldemort. Ron and Hermione were very good audience. They gasped in all the right places and, when Harry told them what was on the Quirrell's turban, Hermione screamed out loud. So the stone's gone, said Harry, said Ron finally. Flamel's just going to die? That's what I said, but Dumbledore thinks that that was it. To the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. I always said he was off his rocker, said Ron, looking quite impressed at how mad his hero was. So what happened to you two, said Harry. Well, I got back all right, said Hermione. I brought Ron around that took a while and we were dashing up to the Allery contact Dumbledore when we met him in the entrance hall. He already knew, he just said, Harry's gone after him, hasn't he? And hurtled off to the third floor. Do you think he meant you to do it, said Ron, sending you your father's cloak and everything? Well, Hermione exploded, if he did, I mean to say, that's terrible, you could have been killed. No, it isn't, said Harry, thoughtfully. He's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here. You know, I reckon he had a pretty good idea where we were going to try. Instead of stopping us, he just fought us enough to help. I don't think it was an accident he let me find out how the mirror worked. It's almost like the thought I had the right to face Voldemort if I could. Yeah, Dumbledore's barking. All right, said Ron proudly. Listen, we have got to be up for the end of the year's feast tomorrow. The points are all in and Slytherin won, of course. You missed the last Quidditch match and we were steamrolled by the Ravenclaw without you. But the food will be good. At the moment, Madame Pomfrey bustled over. You've had nearly 15 minutes now out, she said firmly. After a good night's sleep, Harry felt nearly back to normal. I want to go to the feast, he told Madame Pomfrey as she straightened his many sweet boxes. Can I? Can't I? Professor Dumbledore says you are to be allowed to go, she said sniffly, as though in her opinion Professor Dumbledore didn't realize how risky feasts could be. And you know, you, you have another visitor. Oh good, said Harry. Who is it? Hagrid settled through the door as he spoke. As usual, he was indoors. Hagrid looked too big to be allowed. He sat down next to Harry, took one look at him and burst into tears. It's all my ruddy fault, he sobbed, his face in his hands. I told the evil git out of their past Fluffy. I told him it was the only thing he didn't know and I told him you could have been died all for a dragon egg. I'll never drink again. I should be chucked out and made to live as a muggle. Hagrid, said Harry, shocked to see Hagrid shaking with grief and remorse, great tears leaking down into his beard. Hagrid, he'd have found out somehow. This is Voldemort you're talking about. He'd have found out even if you hadn't told him. You could have died, sobbed Hagrid. And don't say the name Voldemort. Harry bellowed. And Harry and Hagrid was so shocked he stopped crying. 
I've met him and I'm calling him by his name. Please cheer up, Hagrid. We saved the stone, it's gone, he can't use it. Have a chocolate frog, I've got lots. Hagrid wiped his nose on the back of his hand and said, That reminds me, I've got your present. It's not a stoat sandwich, isn't it? said Harry anxiously and last gave a wee chuckle. Nah, Dumbledore gave me the day off the rest day to fix it. Cause he should sack me instead. Anyway, gotcha this. It seems to be a handsome leather covered book. Harry opened it curiously. It was full of wizard's photographs, smiling and waving at him from every page where his mother and father sent owls of to all to the, your parents old school friends asking for photos knew you didn't ha have any do you like it harry couldn't speak but hagrid understood harry made his way down to the end of the year feast alone that night he had been held up by pandom pomfrey's fussing about insisting on giving him one last checkup so the great hall was already full it was decked out in the slytherin colors of green and silver to celebrate slytherin's winning the house cup for the seventh year in a row. A huge banner showing the Slytherin serpent covered the wall behind the high table. When Harry walked in there was a sudden hush and then everybody started talking loudly at once. He slipped into a seat between Ron and Hermione at the Gryffindor table and tried to ignore the fact that people were standing up to look at him. Fortunately Dumbledore arrived moments later. The babble died away. Another great year gone. Dumbledore said cheerfully, and I must trouble you with an old man's wheezing waffle before we sink our faith in our delicious feast. What a year it has been. Hopefully your heads are, are all a little fuller than they were. You have the whole summer ahead to get them nice and empty before next year starts. Now, as I understand it, the house cup here needs awarding and the points stand thus. In fourth place, Gryffindor with 312 points. In third, Hufflepuff with 352. Ravenclaw have 476. And Slytherin 472. 26. A storm of cheering and stamping broke out from the Slytherin table. Harry couldn't see Draco Malfoy banging his goblet on the table. Could see. It was a sickening sight. Yes, yes, well done, Slytherin, said Dumbledore. However, recent events must be taken into account. The room went very still. The Slytherin's smile faded a little. <coughs> said Dumbledore. I have a few last points to dish out. Let me see. Yes. First, to Mr. Ronald Weasley. Ron, Ron went purple in the face. He looked like a radish with a bad sunburn. For the best played game of chess Hogwarts has seen in many years. I award Gryffindor House 50 points. Gryffindor cheers nearly raised the bewitched ceiling. The stars overhead seemed to quiver. Percy could be heard telling the other perfects. My brother, you know... My youngest brother got past McConnell's giant chess set. At last there was silence again. Second, to Mr. Hermione Granger. For the use of cool logic in the face of fire, I award Gryffindor House 50 points. 
Hermione buried her face in her arms. Harry strongly suspected she had burst into tears. Gryffindors up and down in the table were beside themselves. They were a hundred points up. Third to Mr. Harry Potter, said Dumbledore. The room went deadly quiet. For pure nerve and outstanding courage, I award Gryffindor House 60 points. The din was the fiend. Those who could add up while yelling themselves hoarse knew that Gryffindor now had 472 points, exactly the same as Slytherin. They had drawn for the House Cup. If only Dumbledore had given Harry just one more point. Dumbledore raised his hands. The room gradually fell silent. There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore, smiling. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. I therefore award ten points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Someone standing outside the Great Hall might well have thought some sort of explosion had taken place. So loud was the noise that erupted from the Gryffindor table. Harry, Ron and Hermione stood up to yell and cheer as Neville, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. He had never won so much as a, won so much as a point for Gryffindor before. Harry, still cheering, nudged Horon in the ribs and pointed Malfoy, who couldn't have looked more stunned and horrified if he had just had the body-bind curse put on him. Which means, Dumbledore called over the storm of applause, for even Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff were celebrating the downfall of Slytherin. We need a little change of decoration. He clapped his hands. In an instant the green hangings became scarlet and the silver became gold. The huge Slytherin serpent vanished and a towering Gryffindor lion took its place. Snape was shaking Professor McGonagall's hand with a horrible forced smile. He caught Harry's eye and Harry knew at once that Snape's feeling towards him hadn't changed a jot. This didn't worry Harry. It seemed as though life would be back to normal next year or as normal a as it ne ever was at Hogwarts. It was the best evening at Harry's life, better than winning at Quidditch or Christmas or knocking out the mountain trolls. He would never ever forget tonight. Harry had almost forgotten that the exam results were still to come, but come they did, to their great surprise, both and Ron passed with good marks. Hermione, of course, came top of the year. Even Neville scrapped through. His good herbology mark making up for his abysmal potion one. They had hoped that Goyle, who was almost as stupid as he was mean, he might be thrown out, but he had passed too. It was a shame, but as Ron said, you couldn't have everything in life. Uh, suddenly, and suddenly their wardrobes were empty. The trunks were packed. Neville's toad was found lurking in a corner of the toilets, where notes were handed out to all students warning them not to use magic over the holidays. I always hope they'll forget to give us these, said Fred Weasley sadly. Hagrid was there to take them down to fleet of boats that sailed across the lake. They were boarding the Hogwarts Express, talking and laughing at the countryside, became greener and tidier. 
eating Bertie Bot's every flavor beans as they sped past Muggle towns, pulling off their wizard robes and putting on the jackets and coats, pulling, pulling into platform nine and three quarters at King's Cross station. It took quite a while for them all to get off to the platform. A wizened old guard was up by the ticket barrier, letting them go through the gate in twos and threes, so they didn't attract attention by all bursting out of a solid wall at once and alarming the muggles. You must come and stay this summer, Ron said. Both of you, I'll send you an owl. Thanks, said Harry. I'll need something to look forward to. People jostled them as they moved forwards, forwards towards the gateway back to the muggle world. Some of them called, Bye, Harry. See you, Potter. Still famous, said Ron, grinning at him. Not where I'm going, I promise you, said Harry. He, Ron and Hermione passed through the gateway together. There he is, Mom, there he is, look. It was Ginny Weasley, Ron's younger sister, but she but she wasn't pointing at Ron. Harry Potter, she squealed. Look, Mom, I can see. Be quiet, Ginny, it's rude to point. Mrs. Weasley smiled down at them. Busy year, she said. Very, said Harry. Thanks for the fudge and the jumper, Mrs. Weasley. Oh. It was nothing, dear. Ready, are you? It was Uncle Vernon, still purple-faced, still mustached, still looking furious at the nerve of Harry, carrying an owl in a cage in a station full of ordinary people. Behind them stood Aunt Petunia and Dudley, looking terrified at the very sight of Harry. You must be Harry's family, said Mrs. Weasley. In a manner of speaking, said Uncle Vernon. Hurry up, boy, we haven't got all day. He walked away. Harry hung back for the last word with Ron and Hermione. See you over the summer then. Hope you have uh, a good holiday, said Hermione, looking uncertainly after Uncle Vernon, shocked that everyone could be so unpleasant. Oh, I will, said Harry, and they were surprised at the grin that was spreading over his face. They don't know we are not allowed to use magic at home. I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. So, this ends the whole story of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I'm very, again, I'm very grateful that uh, you came to listen to this. And uh, thank you very much. In the continuing part of this, I will be reading out some bonus stages about the Sorting Head a small uh, Hogwarts quiz maybe and uh, some fun uh, tri trivia about the Slytherin house. Uh, I will be posting this uh, next probably next week. So it was a long it was a big journey it this uh, concludes my whole effort. I hope you liked it as much I liked it reading it. See you next week and thanks again. Hello and welcome to another episode of Harry Potter and the Stone. This time we'll be taking a Hogwarts quiz. It's just a small section on the from the book and uh, 
I'm very excited to go through with it with yours and listening. So let's get straight to it. It's called the Hogwarts Quiz, as might you read in the title. It is said, so how much do you know about Hogwarts and its houses? Take this quiz to find out. So the qu first question reads, which Hogwarts houses are located in the castle towers? So A. Hufflepuff and Gryffindor B. Gryffindor and Ravenclaw C. Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff or maybe D. Gryffindor and Slytherin So the question is which Hogwarts houses are located in the castle towers? So my bet would be on Gryffindor and the second one I give you a second to guess before I reveal it. So Slytherin it uh, that can't be there are in the dungeons I think yes. So there we are left with Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. It is Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. Alright, on to the next question. Which common room, other than Gryffindor's, has Harry Potter been invited to? Which common room? A. Hufflepuff B. Ravenclaw C. Slytherin or D. None. He has never been invited into another house common room. What do you guess? Is Harry ever been invited to another house? Well, if you ask me, I also didn't know at the first try. But uh, the answers, the answer is mm, maybe you might guess it. It's Ravenclaw. So Harry was invited in the common room of Ravenclaw. In which book I can't remember. In the movies I didn't saw it. But in the book maybe you guys know it. So the next question. The Sorting Hat had a difficult time placing Hermione and Neville. If the Sorting Hat had, m had made a different decision in which houses would Hermione and Neville be? So there's Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. Slytherin and Ravenclaw. Or Hufflepuff and Slytherin. Which houses, if not Gryffindor, Hermione and Neville would be? I give you a second. So to reveal it, it's Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. Hermione would be in Ravenclaw and Neville obviously would be in Hufflepuff. But uh, his bravery made it in him into Gryffindor. Alright, the fourth question. Who is the head of Hufflepuff House? So there's a choose between Professor McGonagall Professor Bintz, 
Professor Sprout or Professor Snape, the head of Hufflepuff House. Again, I give you a second to think about it. Professor McGonagall, Professor Bins, Professor Sprout, Professor Snape. Alright, it's C. Professor Sprout is the head of Hufflepuff's house. Next, what is the name of Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter? Maybe this is mentioned in the Half-Blood Prince, I think. Or maybe not. So, we have to choose between Eleanor, Leonora, Ariana, or Helena. Ravenclaw's, Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter, the name of her. Eleanor, Leonora, Ariana, or Helena. I give you a second. So it's Helena. Nothing special about it. Six. Which Hogwarts student is a descendant of Salazar Slytherin? Is it Draco Malfoy, Tom Riddle, Marcus Flint, or Vincent Crabb? <laughs> That's an easy one. Because in the second film, the Chamber of Secrets, he mentioned this, I think. So it's Tom Riddle, obviously. He's the descendant of Salazar Slytherin. 7. Who is the Hufflepuff house ghost? Is it the Fat Lady, the Bloody Baron, the Fat Friar or Peeves? Hufflepuff's house ghost. Never seen him in the movies. Mm. So it's see the fat friar. Let's show him a one. Eight. Professor Dumbledore awarded a significant number of house points to Harry, Ron and Hermione and Neville after they helped to defeat Professor Quirrell. How many points did Neville receive? Was it 150, 50, 60 or 10 points? I probably watched the uh, Philosopher's Stone a dozen times, so the answer is obvious to me. So Harry received 60, I think. Ronan and Hermione received each 50. And Neville, for his courage to stand up to his friends, he received 10 points. It's D. What jewels fill the Ravenclaw house point hourglass? That's interesting. So we can choose between emeralds, rubies, diamonds and sapphires. Ravenclaw house point hourglass. Which jewelry? Emerald, rubies, diamonds, and sapphires. Maybe you can imagine these uh, as colors. So emeralds, 
would be a green, rubies red, diamonds well white, and sapphires are they always blue? Yeah. When they were always blue, so that would be D sapphires. That's the correct answer. Ravenclaw's hourglass is filled with sapphires. <laughs> so, last but not least, historically, which houses are firm rivals? Should I read the answers out, or do you do you do you know it already? I read it out. So Hufflepuff and Slytherin, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw and Gryffindor, Slytherin and Gryffindor. I don't have to reveal it, you know it already. Alright, that's this part from the quiz. Uh, that's the end actually of it. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you in the next bonus chapter. It's um, telling about the common room from Slytherin. How is it and what it includes. Very looking forward to it. And to you guys. Thanks for tuning in again. Alright. Have a good one.